Hello and welcome to Reading Spanish, a podcast in which we read and discuss a passage from Spanish language literature. I'm your host, Nick Barr, and this is episode two. Um, we're back by popular demand. Last time we read a passage from Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude, Cien Años de Soledad. Today we're going to be reading a story in its entirety, um, and it's really short. Um, it's a fable by the writer Augusto Monterroso, who um, I think identified as Guatemala, um, Guatemalan. He might have been born in another country. I, I was reading his biography the other day. I forgot most of it. Um, you know, the interesting thing about Monterroso is he grew up under the dictatorship of Jorge Ubico uh, during kind of the World War II era. I don't know much about Ubico, but uh, he doesn't seem like a particularly good guy. Uh, his hero is Napoleon. He kind of vaguely pro-Nazi tendencies. He buddied up to the United States and the United Fruit Company. Um, and it's relevant because Monterroso wrote uh, a bunch of fables that are kind of uh, Aesop meets George Orwell. Um, they're satire, but they have this sort of vaguely um, ominous state-run uh, background, and that's represented really well in the in the short story we'll be reading today called La Oveja Negra. I actually read, I think I read La Oveja Negra, uh, The Black Sheep, in college um, as part of a book. I think it's called La Oveja Negra y, otra, y Otras Cuentas. Otras Cuentas or Otros Cuentos? I think Cuentas, right? This is, this is what reading Spanish is all about, struggling through uh, vocabulary. <laughs> um... So the black sheep and other fables is a really beautifully illustrated um, book. They're kind of you could call them flash fiction, micro relatos, really, really, sh really short stories. Um, and so this one's so short, we'll read it, and then I, I actually translated it. Um, I read a translation of it, and I really didn't like it, so I, I wrote my own. We'll see how it goes. So here it is in Spanish. En un lejano país existió hace muchos años. Muchos años, una oveja negra fue fusilada. Un siglo después, el rebaño arrepentido le, le, le levantó una estatua ecuestre que quedó muy bien en el parque. Así, en lo sucesivo, cada vez que aparecían ovejas negras, eran rápidamente pasadas por las armas para que los, las futuras generaciones de ovejas comunes y corrientes pudieran ejercitarse también en la escultura. And in English, long ago in a faraway land, there was once a black sheep. He was shot and killed. A century later, the repentant flock erected an equestrian statue that looked very nice in the park. And so from then on, any time that black sheep showed up, they were promptly executed so that future generations of common, ordinary sheep would be able to practice sculpture as well. Um, so uh, some biting satire there, but... Uh, also, a little bit of kind of ridiculousness. I, I think the image that leaves the most, the strongest impression on me is actually the uh, the equestrian statue of, of a sheep. So we're talking about a sheep, presumably on top of a horse um, that we're told looks very nice in the park. How could it look anything other than ridiculous? Um, but black sheep, of course, is an expression that predates this story. Black sheep um, sort of someone who stands out and is shunned um, for that reason, someone, a family member who you're embarrassed to call a family member. 
I guess it's a, it's a hereditary thing being a black sheep. It's actually like a, a, a recessive gene that occasionally does pop out in the flock. Um, it's really hard to do a reading of this passage without, you know, thinking about blackness and, and race and whiteness and race and the recent events in the United States around Black Lives Matter and Ferguson and on and on, um, given that this is a black sheep who was shot for what really kind of appears to be no reason. Um, but I'm not going to go there, really, other than wh wherever I just went. Um, I just wanted to do kind of a close reading on on some specific words and phrases and kind of talk a little bit about the challenge of translating um, the passage. Um, for starters, there's the word fusilada, fusilar, fue fusilada. So the the story begins, uh, you know, there was a sheep and he was shot. Fusilada, fusilar is, a, is an interesting verb. It doesn't have a clean translation. Um, fusil is a rifle. Um, and so fusilada, fusilar is kind of to be rifled. Um, but it, it really sort of means to be executed. Um, as far as I can tell, I, like, I, I, I tried to dig a little bit into it. For instance, I don't think you can be fusilada and not killed, whereas you can be shot and not killed. That's why in my translation I say he was shot and killed. If we just say the black sheep was shot, I guess there's sort of a possibility that he recovered. When we say fue fusilada, I think the understanding is he's dead. And it doesn't really seem, I, I don't know, can a, can a robber break into your house and fusilar you? Maybe. But I, I think about like a Napoleonic era um, firing squad and to, to do a callback to um, episode one's reading, there's of course the first sentence of Cien Años de Soledad refers to um, un pel peloton de fusilamiento, fusilamiento um, a, a firing squad. Peloton um, for, I think, bicyclists. There's a concept of a peloton. It's sort of like a ball, like a, a, a squad. Um, anyway, there's no firing squad here. And when we start with Fue Fusilada, we don't really know who shot him. The indication comes in the next sentence. Un siglo después, a century later, el rebaño, the sheep, the flock of sheep, arrepentido. And arrepentido, uh, you can see the word repent inside of it. So I, I just translated that to repentant. Um, they're not just mourning, they're uh, repenting. And so it becomes clear that they're sort of the guilty party. Um, and, you know, when you look back at the passage, you might say, well, who's in this universe? As far as this fable is concerned, it sort of just seems like all we've got in this world is sheep. So um, it's almost sort of the, the society, society regrets doing it. Um, it seems there was sort of like it was a state ordered hit. Um, it wasn't a, a lone sheep who shot the black sheep it sort of was the action of the herd um and so of course they're going to raise this statue um for the sheep uh you know again we've got these like, these military hints fusilar um and and to skip forward to the end i thought there was a very kind of interesting word that again only sort of has this resonance in spanish but when we talk about the, the future generations of sheep killing any black sheep that appears so that they could um, practice sculpture or exercise sculpture, you could say that in Spanish it's pudieran ejercitarse, también en la escultura. Ejercitarse is to train, to exercise, to practice. 
Um, and of course, it's a close cousin of the word ejército, which is army, military. So there's this resonance of, again, kind of state violence that is hard to translate. I, I said able to practice sculpture, um, which doesn't quite ring as, as powerfully, for me at least, as ejercitarse. Um, ejecutar, to execute, sounds similar. It's, not, it's actually not um, related. Um, speaking of ejecutar, I, I do say they showed up, they were promptly executed. In Spanish, it's rápidamente pasadas por las armas, which is a beautiful kind of euphemism, pasadas por las armas. I had to look it up. I wasn't, I, I thought I knew what it was. Armas are weapons, pasar, like kind of passed, passed through the weapons. Uh, in other words, executed. Um, but it, I can't think of a, of a less violent way of describing kind of the most violent act um, than pasadas por las armas, passed, passed through the arms. Um what else is there to say about this passage? I, you know, I don't, I don't really have much interest in, in kind of what this says about society, but obviously one, one could draw all sorts of conclusions about this idea of practicing sculpture, erecting monuments. Um, of course, levanto, le, levanto, they kind of raised a statue. I said erected a statue. Erected has its own set of, of associations, um, sexual ones, of course, power dynamics. Um, what what does it mean? What's the role of the statue? I mean, quite literally, I think I think it's fine to just sort of read it as as building statues. Again, if if we were going into Black Lives Matter, you know, one could maybe, if one was so inclined, start to think about the reactions of white people and the sort of self-congratulatory participation of whether it's hashtag activism or whatever. Um, but one would be, I think, kind of sloppy to go there because um, I don't think, I think it's a bit of a, of a incendiary statement to say that um, the state or, or white Twitter people like to see violence so that they can kind of make their grandiose gesture. It's definitely something that occurred to me, but uh, this is a safe space. I'm exploring that idea and I, I certainly don't endorse it. Um, I really like Monterroso. Um, I'll probably read some more of his stuff at some point. Um, he's famous for El Dinosaurio, which is supposed to be one of the shortest um, pieces of fiction ever. Um, although I, I think that that Ernest Hemingway short story that he didn't actually write about the baby shoes is might be a little bit shorter. Um, this was episode two. I think we'll wrap here. Um, certainly leave any comments you have about what the short story meant for you and whether or not you also had any kind of reflections about you know, the activities going on here as you read La Oveja Negra, what the statue is being for you. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Take care.